0: You're listening to Two Guys, One Album with music insiders Michael Heideman and Paul Farber. We are two music experts. Green I mean, Experts is pushing it.
1: Taking on the greatest albums of all time. Oh, uh, it's a little subjective. Song by song with careful analysis. All right, I wouldn't say careful. Look, we're having
0: fun with the songs. Two Guys, One Album. <laughs> It is time for another episode of Two Guys, One Album. My name is Paul Farvar. This is Michael Heidemann. And this is an episode which I am super excited to conduct. We are talking about this album. Guns N' Roses, <laughs> Appetite for Destruction. The debut album from Guns N' Roses.
1: Yes. What more can you say, really, about this this great, great 80s masterpiece? Released July 21st, 1987. Uh, it was in Rumbo Studios in Canoga Park, California. Take One Studios in Burbank. The, the record plant in L.A. In Tarzan- this is the antithesis of a California album right here.
0: The story about these guys getting signed and what they made the A and R people do is insane. And Axl Rose's um, antics, slashes, alcohol abuse, and other abuse—all there, all of them for that matter. Izzy, Duff, all those guys—it's been well documented. So we're not going to waste everyone's time because everyone knows that about the guns, about Guns and Roses, and. I, you know, it's funny. I thought of this album because I saw a young kid wearing a Guns N' Roses shirt. I was like, mm-hmm. "Do you even know who the hell they are?" Like, and it, it bothered me that I was like, "Wow, like you don't know who Guns N' Roses are." And I was, I was. Um, In high school, when this album, like, well, actually, I was younger when it came out, but I remember how much this album meant to me. Like, I still, I'm looking at it right now. It's all destroyed and disheveled from all the years of. It looks like
1: it's gotten a few listens. You can, uh, you can say that.
0: (laughs) Yes. What do you now? Do you remember when this came out, or is too? This is uh, too young for you. So
1: this came out uh, two years or a year and a half after I was born. So (laughs) yeah, I was listening to it nonstop, to be honest. <laughs> from when the two mother's, years old? yes, from my mom's womb until like <laughs> <laughs> until I couldn't listen to it anymore. I it's it's one of those albums where even though I didn't get to experience like all the 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 mega love for it uh, during my time, it was so popular in the nineties. Yeah. Um, that I knew every single song. I knew who Guns N' Roses, Guns N Roses were. Right. I knew about the the crazy antics that you had mentioned before yeah. and the drug abuse and the alcohol abuse. I don't know how I knew all that, though. It was it's, just such a part of popular culture.
0: It's something everyone knows, and, and you can, they, they got popular again with News Your Illusion 1 and 2 came out later in the 90s, mm-hmm. and that's you know we're not going to talk about that. We're talking about this album, Appetite for Destruction. And by the way, when they came out, um, they were in a movie called Deadpool, with Clint Eastwood and that's where uh, they became popular and and it's honest it's kind of funny when they came out I hated I hated what was in my mind heavy metal which I don't even consider them heavy metal anymore but I did not like them when I was a kid and I got into them later through a friend and I remember this album was probably the most played in my car when I was 16 I had one of those portable CD players that you put on top with a cassette that goes into the player. Yes. It was like 1991.
1: Yes. Like in Wayne's World when you yes. are going to the Ellis Cooper concert. It was
0: a white Sony and it had like special um bumpers so it wouldn't like you could go over speed bumps and stuff and it wouldn't skip. Oh, the non-skip. The non-skip version. Yeah. So, but we've talked enough about the history. Let's let's put this in. Obviously, the opening Welcome to the Jungle. Everyone knows it and it's what i would consider one of the greatest one of the one of the greatest if not the greatest start to an album
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. do you want to hear it again
0: yeah let's hear it again
1: all right let's let's turn it up to 11 as they say
0: this is how you start a fucking album
1: A visceral yell <laughs> into can, the abyss.
0: Can you imagine if they were both like, um, you know, if someone, someone in that band was like, "This is a good song, but let's let's start with something different." Like,
1: <laughs> you know, What we would start that with some would Yeah,
0: <laughs> if they started with any other song, like "Rocket Queen" or one of their other hits, like this is the only song you could possibly start. with.
1: It's, it's so cool because you think about them sitting in a recording studio or in their, in their basement or garage just, like, writing this song. And a little bit of backstory on this. Slash actually struggled to find the guitar sound he wanted when he was coming up with this album and went along with a Gibson Les Paul uh, copy plugged <laughs> into a mar- Marshall ampitha- Amplifier, and that kind of became what every band used from here on out. Yeah. Like, that wasn't really what bands would Signature go to sound. for that sound. But listen to that distortion and that it's all riff based too.
0: Yeah. Well, Izzy, I mean they had they had great sounds going throughout the whole thing. And then and the thing with this song is there's so many different parts to it that make it amazing. Like mm-hmm. you got the bridge and then you got the whole the, the the outro. I don't even know what the fuck you'd call that, but Yeah.
1: The, you know, it's it's interesting because they don't really make music like this anymore and I know I sound like an old man. I don't
0: make music like this anymore,
1: but the fact that Queen and Guns N' Roses came out at the same time, and they all made these,
0: these rock and roll Queen came out ballads. well before Guns N' Roses. Kid, well,
1: uh, I, I need know, to. I need I to. I know like, they came out before. We, if we're
0: we're nothing, if we're not consistent and. Truthful on this podcast,
1: we're not talking about the Queen. We're talking about the band Queen here, Paul. I know the <laughs> Queen, Queen is from the seventies. Oh, I, well, I know that, but I'm saying these kind of bands when they were writing their albums, they, it was more about like a layered verse of songs and that probably came from listening to Led Zeppelin and, yeah. and growing up with that kind of rock and roll. Because now it's just verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and then you're done with the song. Yeah, so.
0: it's it's a it's a riveting album, mm-hmm. and it's it's a rock. Be- they create these rock anthems which such ha- like those. Those Marshall Stack Amps, you can hear it going on. Um, what where are we at in the song right now? We is it, are is at it still playing right here. Yeah, here's perfect timing. It's a whole nother song in a way with their with their pre Bridge Bridge. Oh man.
1: I mean that falsetto scream into just nothingness is so perfect.
0: I had friends who were came in town, family friends, who were huge Guns N' Roses fans, and they were a couple years older than me, and my parents were like, don't hang out with them. <laughs> Because they would come to our house and they were all smoking pot probably and smoking cigarettes. And I was like, probably like fifth grade, sixth grade Ooh. when this album came out. Your mind is a sponge at that point. Yeah. But I was like, but I remember I hated this song, Welcome to the Jungle. And it was in the movie, The Deadpool, when I, we went I think in 88, Clint Eastwood. Um, and they actually might have been in the movie too. What was Deadpool about? It was like a Clint Eastwood All I movie. know is The Deadpool. Dirty from, Harry. from
1: oh, okay. The Deadpool, like from uh, the comic book character.
0: Oh, maybe it wasn't called a Deadpool. Maybe I'm no. It's, I think it was called a Deadpool. Oh, anyway, was he a superhero? No, he's Dirty Harry, like the okay. famous character that just is a bad cop. But, I love uh, it.
1: This is it. Just it gets it cuts right to the core. And this is a great time for rock and roll. And I know I wanted to save this till the end, but I got to say something about it. The album cover itself is so badass. Oh, yeah.
0: It's amazing. Do you want to jump into the next song then real quick? Well, where is, the song, is the ending of this song coming up yet? Because I uh, got a great ending on this. Did we already pass it?
1: Uh, no, we didn't. Let's, Let's we're play ready. it right here.
0: Yeah! There it is. <laughs> it's going to rock. I mean, who the hell would do that now? I don't think Drake could pull that off. No, no, Drake could not. So what are we on? Number two, it's the next song, It's So Easy. A lot of their songs... Let's just play it for a second.
1: I mean, yeah. you
0: can't tell Coming me St- you Stone Temple Pilots didn't listen to this song. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I mean, all these songs that didn't make it to the radio, there was a reason why, because they were too explicit or they yeah. were just too hard, but they were still amazing songs.
1: Looking back at bands like, um, uh, shoot, why am I blanking on their name right now? Tommy Lee. Um, Motley Crue.
0: Motley Crue. Why? Oh, man.
1: One Motley of the greatest was... concerts I've ever been to was Motley Crue's yeah. final tour in Las Vegas. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Oh. I saw Tommy Lee do backflips on his uh, on his drum roller coaster through the audience. <laughs> you can't beat that. And and you can see there is something about being so angry in the 80s that was so great and translated so well to these albums.
0: But this album transcended that hair rock scene of Motley Crue and mm-hmm. Poison because these songs were amazing lyrics, amazing, everything was, I, I mean, they were layered sound. Those songs, Motley Crue has, you know, Dr. Feelgood, mm-hmm. Poison has, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. A little
1: too glammy is yeah. what I think they you're were trying to get to. Yeah, glammy,
0: and they were pop, pop in a way, but they don't stand the test of time, other than, you know, a karaoke show here or there, or or they only had like <laughs> one, one or two songs on the album, but this album... I mean it's so easy is number 2. That wasn't even on any radio play whatsoever and still everybody knows that song.
1: Yeah. You, you know what Paul, to be honest, I haven't listened to every single album, uh every single song on this album. And, Ever? uh never. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I I know the hits and I know uh wow. I know the construction of the album but I have not listened to every song. Uh let me see the let me see the title track here quick, so, or the tracks. So Yeah. We, most of them, I'm not really well, sure you about. You have
0: heard of. Let's let's go to skip number three. Is Night Train? You have heard this song. Okay. It's it's a very popular song. I'm gonna Night let it play Train. for a little bit. You don't know this song. It's I gotta okay. Wait. You I gotta, gotta wait be till it gets
1: to the chorus. I do like how how transitional, um, Axl Rose's voice is, though. That's just the lifetime of cigarettes and alcohol, <laughs> right there.
0: Wow, you know this
1: song. Here we go. It does make me want to put on a leather jacket and start smoking cigarettes. I can tell you that for a fact. A lot of this album, actually, it it seems like there that was most of the backlash was the fact that um, it it kind of personified alcohol, alcoholism and cigarettes and this kind of loose-based lifestyle, and that's what uh, what kind of drew people away from it. But at the end of the day, sex sells and that kind of (laughs) lifestyle definitely sells. And it actually was one of the greatest, um, uh, selling albums to date. Yeah. Which it, is pretty cool. I'm trying to find the right song, numbers here, but
0: you really didn't know that song. I mean, I felt like that was that got enough play in outside worlds or you know at at, at Urban Outfitters where you shopped.
1: I do not know that song as well as I know Paradise City okay. and I know Welcome to the Jungle. I suppose, and you know,
0: Miss and Miss. Well, we're not there yet. The best song on the album is not is not one of those three songs, in my opinion. But Out to Get Me is the next song. Why don't we play that? This is one of the more, you know, this was one I did actually think. I think I skipped this a lot, but we're gonna play it anyway. It should be pointed out that the song is 4 minutes and 20 seconds, or 4.20. Oof.
1: Slash and Izzy. I like that kind of distant drum sound that they have. It really kind of bellows that great snare drum hits that they got during these songs that kind of make it where you can see yourself almost headbanging to every single song that they have.
0: That was the original drummer, Steven Adler. Oh. who had some problems after that and he was replaced by the drummer from The Cult.
1: I remember Steven Adler from uh, all those Dr. Drew episodes <laughs> yes, of Celebrity Rehab.
0: <laughs> there's some crazy stories about him and, and the shit he had to put up with with him and uh, Axel. But yeah, that's a song out to get me. Not really one of the greatest, probably the least, my least favorite song on the album. But my favorite song on the album is the next one, which I used to jam to on my way to and from school or on my way to Portillo's. As a child, Mr. Brownstone. Probably one of the greatest songs of all time, in my opinion.
1: Got this scratchy kind of guitar intro.
0: Clearly about drugs, by the way.
1: Now, I want everybody who's listening out there to picture Paul driving down in his '96 El Camino. No. Or, no, sorry. '76. Toyota Celica. Oh. <laughs> it was white on white, like a big egg. White sunglasses on, <laughs> just hair flowing in the wind. I get
0: Kicks right into that riff too. Cool. Such a catchy hook, my God. And we're not even at the we're not even at the chorus. You already
1: hooked. Did you listen to this on the way to tennis lessons? <laughs> I did. Or tennis tournaments.
0: And every kegger. man. You didn't know this song? Was there a real Mr. Brownstone? Oh, Shlipp Mr. Brownstone in? is is the reference to drugs. Oh, mm, I get it now. But it won't leave him alone. Here, there's a line. Here. A li- I used to do a little. Here it is. Listen
1: again.
0: He was talking about addiction before Dr. Drew, for Christ's sake. <laughs> that cowbell oh, man holding those vocals too. cowbell right there slash souls you don't see guitar souls anymore post 1999
1: not as screaming as the ones that he puts out i mean maybe bands like wolf mother have kind of brought it sure. back and but
0: to be honest, my morning jacket too
1: my morning jacket those 1980 80 uh guitar solos heavy riffs and just Punch you in the face, rock and roll is not existent anymore. In fact, this band is so rock and roll in nineteen eighty nine uh the Rolling Stone ranked appetite for destruction the twenty seventh best album of the eighties little did they know how great and and amazing this album would would become Go in on. popular culture yeah um it's let me see here see a lot of the 1980s it's we get it it's a great band in the 1980s. I'm looking at a lot of um, rankings here uh, in 2006 the the album was included in the 1000 albums you must hear before you die I could I would agree with that. I would
0: say it's a t- I mean it's way better than a thousand unless you're including like Beethoven and shit like that yeah
1: how do you feel about you know it's called appetite for destruction this kind of brings up another point. how do you feel about X
0: rolls getting so fat? He got large, you know. I got to see him at House of Blues with Guns N' Roses uh, without Slash, mm-hmm. and it was one of the greatest shows I've ever been to. Um, they played for five hours. I mean, it holy was two hours post curfew, which means they had to pay all kinds of fines. But he's like, "Fuck it, I'm going to give him a great show," and he Dang. did. I mean, they played all the hits. And uh, was this
1: I, the, during the Chinese Democracy before years? China, yep, okay. it was
0: about four or five years ago before the reunion. And if people wore a, a uh, the bucket hat, the hat, the, the slash KFC. Bucket hat, they oh. weren't allowed in. Oh, they weren't allowed in, and people weren't allowed to have any pictures of the band which had slash in it. No, they no, can't. How could they true. deny you for that? They they policed it at the concert, and there was no, there wasn't allowed to do it. And uh, Buckethead was in the band. Yes, I remember and Buckethead, a, and uh, and I think Izzy was back, um, and it was pretty. It, it's still pretty awesome, but um, man. Anyway, Those they played the all the hits. They played Mr. Brownstone, which is all I wanted to hear.
1: So, so. do you think, here's a, here's a question for you, I mean, to be totally serious here. Do you think Axl Rose's weight gain was due to the fact that he actually finished the bucket of chicken that was on top of <laughs> Buckethead's head?
0: I'm not sure. Okay, I was I just wondering. I don't that's true. Could it also be drug-induced? But <laughs> I will say this. Um, I did not go see them when they came to Chicago with the full reunion band I thought, everyone that went said it was amazing mm-hmm. that I tour that was amazing I just didn't want to go and be disappointed because yeah. I hate those bigger concerts mm-hmm. that are huge I like seeing intimate places intimate venues like House of Blues or even smaller and uh, I, I felt like that was because here's a funny story I saw them at the old Rosemont Horizon in 1991 mm-hmm. and uh, you know That was a concert where it was after there was a a melee uh, right before, and there was all kinds of drama with Axl Rose. This was User Illusion tour, and um, they had like a forty-five minute break in between, and uh, there was like drunkenness, all kinds of. Wait,
1: the band had a
0: forty-five minute break.
1: It was a shit show. Oh, so they must have been.
0: But the best part of that whole show is I was. We got to see the opener, which was a band called the Smashing Pumpkins.
1: Oh which went on Dang. to do some
0: amazing things. I heard they were pretty good. Which is an album we're Having a little cover.
1: bit of trouble selling their new
0: tour though. Did uh, you see that's that? That's a rumor, but they got it a second show, so it can't be that bad. Oh, they did? Here in Chicago, they did. And oh, it, well, that in makes LA, sense. I was I was in LA recently and uh uh they uh were playing the Forum there, so. Man. But, do you want, to, do yeah. you want to hear some other uh, yeah. quick Let's tips? Yeah. Let's go to a hit uh oh, t- what were you we gonna say? No, we can go tips? to the hit
1: tips on the band tips or i was did i say hits or tips you said tips i, I meant uh not tips a little insight into the the album sales but let's hear the greatest song that you've you've definitely heard you've seen it on many many um movies it had a resurgence in the 90s and the early 2000s and a lot of movies too and that song is the one and only paradise city Oop! i'm playing brownstone again
0: <laughs> number six paradise city what a great intro already! You already, you already hooked in.
1: It reminds me of driving to eighth grade base uh, basketball practice and like just everyone just clapping their hands and just wanting to just. How many rock
0: people were in this in this car?
1: It was uh, Pat Tully's van, and there was <laughs> at least three people. And his mom loved '80s rock and roll. It oh, was this great. and TNT Dynamite by ACDC.
0: dc so. <laughs> Yeah, this reminds me of high school, beer bongs, some marijuana, some smoking, pre-parties. Listen to
1: that. First time synth is really used in this album, it sounds like, too, where it really hits it hard. And best use of the whistle in this song, might oh, I add. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> name, you can name 20 songs with a whistle, and I guarantee you this is probably the top one. <laughs>
1: Oh, so yeah, there's, there seems, seems to be a side note on this. Uh, number one s- selling single with a whistle in it by <laughs> my gym teacher, uh, yeah. Miss Barron's,
0: in 19... 19- uh, no, Is it the same that's whistle? all made up, by the way. Yeah, we got, we're nothing if we're not accurate on this podcast. Here it there comes. It your favorite part?
1: Ah... Right in.
0: I wonder if he, if they do the whistle. Who plays? Does Axel play the whistle at the concerts? I bet he does. I bet he does too. Yeah, you know, it's it's, my, that's my part.
1: It's funny because th- when you're producing an album, a lot of like small things like that actually make a really, really big and sometimes tumultuous turn with the band. Yeah. Like, should we add the whistle or should we not add the whistle?
0: Vibraslap. That's another the, instrument that doesn't get a lot of the. Love.
1: Lot, not a lot of didgeridoo in a lot of songs didgeridoo. these days. Just think about when they wanted to bring in the theremin with Beach Boys. Oh yeah, and it's like, oh, I don't know, Brian Wilson. I don't know this is a good idea, and it's and like, oh, it uh, to be a big, big part of the song. <laughs> made the song "Appetite for Destruction" actually debuted at number one eighty-two on the Billboard Top Two Hundred in the week of August twenty-ninth, nineteen eighty-seven. Would not top the chart until August sixth, nineteen eighty-eight. So it only took a year to get on number yeah. one because this came with a lot of rock and roll airplay of "Welcome to the Jungle" and "Paradise MTV City" as well. MTV the was videos. Uh, just imagine during the eighty uh, mm-hmm. the MTV time when this happened. In it, The glory days, yeah. It had a total of one hundred and forty seven weeks on Billboard two hundred. Wow. Holy smokes! So, That's I mean, a think, lot. you're touring and you don't even realize that your song is like still on that Billboard uh, list. By two thousand uh, by two thousand eight in September, it had been certified eighteen times platinum by the Recording Industry wow. Association Association of America and it had shipped over eighteen million albums. In the United States alone, making it the country's eleventh best-selling album ever, and that was in two thousand eight. Wow! The most recent figures. Okay, I'm gonna tell. Uh, what do you think it's been selling worldwide in the most recent figures?
0: It's still selling, probably. Still
1: selling. What do you think it's at, like the estimate right now? Hundred thousand. Oof! No. Hundred thousand, like of all time. Oh, where it's the it's the the main number.
0: Sixteen million. Number. Thirty
1: million albums sold worldwide. Wow! Of the of you're selling thirty million of anything is crazy. Thirty million hamburgers sold by McDonald's. That means people have bought
0: multiple copies of it because there's not enough people (laughs) in the world. I don't
1: know. I would. I buy at least fifty myself. This is a great album.
0: Paradise City, amazing song. It's Mm -hmm. six minutes forty six seconds, which is longer than a lot of songs. Yeah. Do you want to jump to the next one? Yep. Let's go to My Michelle, which is number seven. Not a hit. Good quick song. Covered by the Beatles? Different version. Oh a different version? Oh my
1: bad. (laughs) It just shows how great of a guitar player Slash was that all of these albums start or all these songs start with riffs.
0: Such an awesome rip too. This crunchy.
1: I love it. Your daddy works in porno No the Okay.
0: I didn't That's expect the line. that, one. yeah. I forgot. It's, it's in there. gotta catch this is just
1: here. A, here. us listening to it, oh, it. Oh, kick ass your daddy works in porno is the first line of this song <laughs> damn okay this is the song that i've never heard before but oh, i'm already in where have you been i'm a hundred percent in i've dove into this pool yes.
0: This is amazing. My Michelle wasn't even on anyone's list. Um, But it's still a great song. It wasn't one of, you know, there's 12 songs on the album. I would give it, you know. Probably the eighth best song on the album.
1: Oh yeah, that's I gotta start calculating what I think I'm gonna give to this We're album. There I yet. think my your daddy is in porno is that's just even <laughs> a whole nother star, to be honest.
0: Michael really liked that line. All right. What? It
1: just kicked me right in the gut, I which I think it. this album is supposed to be meant to do. Yeah. Um for sure. if, you know what I, I love picturing is uh, Axel sitting in his uh, mom's basement writing that
0: song. You know he's from Indiana, right? He is? I think so, yeah. Oh no way. Yeah. So just across the border. Just across the border.
1: Sitting in Indiana, just thinking to himself, one day my mom going to be a big old rock star. No, you're not. Your dad is out again. I don't know where he is. Oh, I know <laughs> where he's at. He's working porno again. All right, let's go to the next one. I don't know one. if that's
0: accurate. <laughs> it's just a song. Okay. This song's called Think About You.
1: Ooh. really blasted up that uh, kick drum in this song. You've
0: been looking real good you know that I remember when we made I forgot about this song, to be honest. It's funny how I never felt so good know
1: it was the best time I
0: can remember. it's kind of they were trying to be a little too poppy here I think and it just never took it's funny because this one probably people thought was going to be a, a hit but it just never it never took there's yeah. no there's no hooks but it's just too pop trying to be something they're not
1: they they're throwing a lot of 1950s guitar riffs on there too like the old kind of rock around the clock sure. uh, um, classic sounds that you might hear on other albums that don't really fit with this so this is kind of a, what's it with this song called
0: again that Think About Thinking, You Think, or Think About You number hmm. 8 on the thing which brings us to number 9 probably one of the most recognized songs ballads ever yes Sweet Child of Mine
1: Mr. Brownstone oh
0: sorry Sweet,
1: <laughs> Sweet Child
0: of Mine the first song every every kid wants to learn on guitar yeah so oh, amazing i just remember wow. when i was in 8th grade I had a punk rocker. It was a it was a orange punk rock uh, wig that I wore for Halloween, mm-hmm. and I put a I put a, a handkerchief around or a, a, what do you call it bandana around yeah. it, and I had a, a, a tennis racket, and I made my own video of this album, and I did the I would do the slash parts. I'd put a hat on for slash parts, and then mm-hmm. I would. Come back into the scene and be um, and put the red wig and the bandana on, mm-hmm. and I would play the Axl Rose part, and I sang every word on it, and it's out there somewhere. Is pretty funny.
1: Wait, you have it's on this video? Oh yeah, it's somewhere.
0: somewhere. Oh yeah, you, by yourself you did this by myself in my room, and I stole oh. at the time. Maybe I was in freshman year. Maybe it was like yeah, I might have been freshman year. We had stolen a construction horsey, so mm-hmm. I had that in my room, which wasn't that big, but the construction thing was in my room, and mm-hmm. I and I was like the lights on the construction light would go on and it would be part of the video. And I made my own video to this. And it's out there somewhere. Um, I know where it is. And it's going to be released <laughs> on the 40th, al- 40th anniversary of this album, which is coming soon.
1: If anybody can find this some way, somehow, <laughs> I, I will it. pay them $100,000. It's
0: probably the most amazing thing uh, out there. And it will be on a throwback Thursday. How soon. old were you? I must have been I must have been like fifteen or fourteen at the Oh time.
1: that's so cool. Early
0: nineties, yeah.
1: So wait, when did you first hear this song? Do you remember?
0: Uh I remember hearing it in in high school and mm-hmm. I got into it um and I really liked them but th- but back then like I was drinking a lot so I don't really remember how this changed my life. I do remember I hated Guns N' Roses first cuz I didn't yeah. want to like I wouldn't I didn't want to like them cuz I liked the classics like Led Zeppelin and I was into The Police and I didn't want to like heavier metal. But then I I I think after that Must Mr. Brownstone and everything I got into them and then I even got into like Motley Crue a little bit. But- oh man any like Crew music videos? No, the only oh, video God. I did was this, and I and I seen it recently because I think I transitioned all the VHS tapes I had into DVD for my for my parents' anniversary, mm-hmm. and that one was on it. And obviously, I didn't give them that one. I was, was going to say, "What a gift!" No, but I have it somewhere. <laughs> I don't remember where I put it, but it was like cringingly hilarious. Mm-hmm. But that was "Sweet Child of Mine," and that is still one of the greatest songs of all time.
1: Yeah. Uh, the album's third single is the only song that topped the Billboard 100 chart, becoming the band's first and only number one single in the United States. Yeah, uh, It ranked as number five throughout the 1988 year, re-released in 1989, and it said in historical lore that Slash grumbled in 1991 time, I mean, I like it, but I hate what it represents. What does it represent, Paul?
0: I think it was a ballad and it was definitely not like traditional Guns N Roses sound. It was a little softer mm-hmm. than what they were used to. It was a ballad and it was a it was a it was a rock ballad in a way.
1: Holy smokes, did you know that Axel Rose's girlfriend at one time was Aaron Everly, whose father is Don, Don Everly, Everly of the Everly sure Brothers? Did.
0: Yeah. Man. He dated a lot of famous people. Wow, he's like the Adam Durritz of, of metal without the without the hair, <laughs> without the same hairstyle. But yeah, Sweet Child of Mine, one of the greatest albums. I don't know where where is it playing right now in the thing.
1: Are you so just... right now we've got it at.
0: Oh, let's listen to it real quick. Here's where it switches to rock. Is the end and one of the coolest outros in any song, in my opinion. You go you go straight from a guitar solo to a completely different section of a song. I mean, creatively and musically, that's it was pretty genius for its time. Here, it's coming up right oh. here.
1: I was going to get to the. Where do we that's go? What, that's what Where I was do, go? do we go?
0: That's what I'm talking about. Oh. I was I was doing the slow build, Michael.
1: I, was, I see. I thought it. Right here. Where do we
0: go? Where do we go now? Where do we go? Wow. How awesome is that Whoa.
1: and then it just slowly builds and builds yep and it's the repetition of it all
0: pretty now amazing. i just want to keep
1: like just listen to this
0: so good right it's hard to like not listen to it and also a
1: very easy uh song to write i suppose he's just like where do we go where do we you go? Know, I, I heard, okay, here's another uh, popular thing. I heard that when they were writing this song, the reason that they actually kept saying, Where do we go? is because they were writing the song and they, they didn't know where it. to go. Like <laughs> in awesome. the song. I and think then, I heard like, that
0: somewhere. That's maybe. That sounds realistic, Axel.
1: If you're out there and you're listening to two guys, one album, you can right email now, us. Yeah, just email us or slash. You know yeah. what? E- even Stephen Adler, if you're
0: <laughs> Stephen Adler, doesn't use internet. <laughs> he don't he think hasn't looked long. at a computer in a long time. What? Uh, so okay, we go to the last three songs. Next song is called "You're Crazy." Popular for the f bomb that it throws in there. Oh yeah. You're crazy. This is a quick song, too. And they did a re-version of this on their Lies album. It's a way slower version of it. On the Lies acoustic one they did. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You're crazy. Oh, you know... That one actually got some... I think
1: really because yeah. it seems like a lot of these songs. The more I've been reading about this album, is that a lot of them didn't even they played them a few times on tour and then they just floated out into the abyss, mm-hmm. never be played again.
0: Yeah, I don't know that. Your crazy was. I like the version on the album Lies that came out a few years later, mm-hmm. which had alternate takes, and then obviously Patience was on there as well. But um, but um, yeah, I like that version of it. This one, this one's like pure rock and roll. The other one was like more like bluesy. Yeah.
1: How about anything goes? Next one coming up.
0: Forgettable song, but what is that called? That he, what's that?
1: He's playing like the uh, scraper. Yeah, the sc- oh, called? Hold on, I'll look it up. Anything goes. Sounds like a. like a rubber ducky. <laughs> it's
0: still in there, I can still hear it.
1: Well, it's. Known as a scriber, but it's also known as a Giro.
0: G U I R O. That's not that well. Either way, anyway, this song was not memorable. Um, it's in there, but it's again like the songs that did it, didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike Blink One Eighty Two in the past, they're still cool songs. Yeah, they're yeah. still cool songs and uh and that that's all i gotta say that now the the closing song on this album was called rocket queen six minutes 13 seconds but was a really good song Mm -hmm. i'm surprising that it doesn't get enough hit uh enough attention but people know it in my opinion kind of so this wants a lot of 90s music yeah
1: this actually was one of their earlier songs that they wrote. Slash actually stated in, auto, in, a, in in autobiography that he and Dove McKagan uh, wrote the main riff to Rocket Queen when they first got together in the short-lived band Road Crew that they started with Stephen Adler uh, prior to Slash and Adler joining Hollywood Rose
0: and then eventually Guns N' Roses. Great song, though. I really dig it. Long intro, um, but when it gets there, it's good.
1: Here's a little tip about Rocket Queen. Uh, the last song on the album, great song. Um, I guess Axel wanted some pornographic sounds on Rocket Queen at some time. So actually brought in a girl and they had sex in the studio and they wound up recording that in about 30 minutes of sex noises. And if you listen to the break on Rocket Queen, it's actually in there.
0: And if you listen also, or there's also rumor that that girl was actually Steven Adler's ex-girlfriend. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. I don't on, know if it's that Axel? song. Yeah. Can imagine uh,
1: that. Jeez, this uh, so much so much uh levity to this band, so much b- of a base for um Yeah. For eventual just anger and tumultualness in between this group. I love it. I love this album. it, it and this it's it's it really shows what metal in the nineteen eighties was all about and rock and roll. Um
0: yeah, the best part Did was Did you it.
1: just want me to turn it up so you can hear the sex noise? Pause, no, is that what you, want <laughs> you to do?
0: The most, maybe that wasn't the song where the sex was in. But no, no it was a woman. Yeah, no, it is it is Rocket Queen. Um, the best part is like, he was like, they could have just taken it or mm-hmm. had someone else do it. But he's like, no, 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 you're going to have to have sex with me <laughs> to do it. Like, that's 80s hard rock and roll. And then they were like, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a woman named Adriana Smith who was dating Stephen Adler for around a year. Um, she went to the mixing sessions and then uh, Rose propositions her to have sex with him in the vocal booth. I think it's com- it's right here. And she said she would do it for the band and for a bottle of Jack Daniels. You know, oh, that's definitely it. That is the sound. And then I guess he was upset. He's like, he made it. She said it was too, she's like, quit making it sound like it, like too fake. Like it's, fa- oh.
1: <laughs> come on, give me some That's credit already. You don't gotta make it's it fake, I know axel. I'm good at it. Um, oh man, should I, do you want to hear more, Paul? I but keep yeah, going. he
0: was really upset about it, Stephen Andler found out about it later. Man,
1: so much history with this album. Are there any more songs on this? that's the last song oh,
0: um, darn. I think it's time for us to this is this was a classic album it was and uh, and by the way if you guys have an album you want you think we should review that you have strong feelings about pro or con um, let us know we have an email now it's two guys one one album at gmail.com it's two the number two album one or two wait whoops two guys the number two one album the number one at gmail.com.
1: So it's two guys, the number two, no. one album, the <laughs> name album. That's a really long... Two guys. How are people going to remember that, Paul? Two
0: guys, one album. Okay. The numbers instead of spelling out two and one. Oh, okay. Okay. I get it now. Yeah. Great. So that's it. Um, but uh, we got some great uh, stuff coming up. But mm-hmm. right now it's time for us to give our reviews and the way we do the reviews is 11 is the greatest because on facebook and all the social media 11 is when you can no longer see who likes it it just shows you you got to 11 which is like the magic number yes and you, and and, uh, and i give uh this album i'm gonna give it seven likes and three hearts and one uh um what's the emoji that uh and the one um eggplant eggplant
1: that actually really fits in with this album perfectly one eggplant
0: (laughs) so seven likes three hearts one eggplant
1: all right for the rock and roll masterpiece which is appetite for destruction by guns and roses which you
0: hadn't heard in full until tonight
1: which i hadn't heard in full until tonight which is true yeah. I, I mean, Dad's in a Porno? I didn't know that That's was going to come at me. Yeah. Uh, we got the bands Axl Rose, Slash, Izzy, Duff, Steven, and then Adriana. Do you remember her?
0: That's <laughs> we the sure f- do. The, the Rocket modes. Queen. She is the Rocket Queen. <laughs>
1: uh, that was a great album. For not listening to it for the first time, uh, for listening it f- for the first time, um, I'll edit that part out because it makes me sound like I'm Steven Adler at that moment. No hate for him. I love I love Steven Adler. Good man. Anyway, um, I'm going to give this fantastic album eight likes. Eight, eight likes. likes, just because I pure I know eight likes. Pure eight likes, and j- well, that's only becoming from the fact that, like I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. I didn't know where this album came from. It just came into my life and became a really big part of it. I got into rock and roll sure. because of some of these songs. And then, like I mentioned before, I don't know how I learned about the pop culture, like folklore of this band, but somehow it came to me. Everyone be. knows it. So for that, I'm going to give it the eight likes, and I'll give it one rock on fist. and Fist
0: then, or the, the devil sign?
1: The devil sign. The devil sign for okay. sure. I'm going to give it the lady dancing. Okay. And then it's just straight up fist, fist. Yes, okay. and because and, I think that that's what they white deserve.
0: fist or brown fist or black fist, yellow, yellow, okay. yellow fist makes sense. Yellow fist. And Case if there was it.
1: a if there was a bottle of Jack Daniels as an emoji, I'd probably you know what I'm gonna pour Jack Daniels onto my keyboard and then just douse it in yeah. flames because I think sense. that's
0: what they deserve. As a, and, then, and throw it out the window. That's how you do it. <laughs> Chuck it
1: right out the window. Uh, I think this is a great album. Paul, thank you for opening my eyes to it.
0: Yes, you're welcome. And thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Two Guys One, One Album.
1: album.